Hi, and welcome to Screens in Focus podcast, where we share and connect as we spotlight our favorite shows and movies. I'm Diana. I'm Brittany. And this is episode 20. Today, we'll be reviewing season four, episodes five and six of The Walking Dead with the lens of patience. Before we dive in, how are you doing today, Diana? I'm doing great. I just went camping and I had an awesome time with family and friends. It was so good to see them. Oh, that sounds really nice. And like the perfect summer vacation. How about you? I'm doing well. My puppy is going through some (laughs) problems uh, medically, but he's okay. It's nothing serious. I'm just, you know, the first time worried pet mom. Yeah. (laughs) So... There's that. Not but. first time. You'll always be worried. You know, <laughs> <Okay>. Puppy. <laughs> because they can't talk. So, they can't. You, know. you have to, like, guess what's wrong. Yeah. It's really sad. <laughs> it is. He's lucky to have you as a mama. I'm lucky to have him. <laughs> okay, let's do our recaps. Okay, season four, episode five, internment. I have to say, I absolutely loved this episode. Episode eight is coming up next week, and it's one of my favorite episodes, and I cannot wait to review that one. I am realizing season four might be my favorite season. Anyway, for the recap, Rick arrives back at the prison without Carol and a few people question her whereabouts. Herschel is tending to all the sick people, including Sasha and Glenn. Several patients die and turn, including Dr. S, and Herschel has to deal with stabbing the walkers, which he hasn't done before. Meanwhile, hordes of walkers are pushing over the fence and Rick calls on Carl for help. Father Rick gives son Carl a five-second training on using assault weapons, and together they gun down the walkers and are able to rectify the situation. Right then, Daryl, Tyrese, Michonne, and Bob return with the meds and tend to Glenn and Sasha and the rest of the patients. Okay, season four, episode six, live bait. This was a boring episode, but I'm glad we got to meet Tara. (laughs) In all honesty, I always forget about this episode, and I have this sense of frustrating deja vu that I literally never, ever remember anything that happens. But whatever. Anyway, so Mm -hmm. Philip meets his family, including Tara, her sister Lily, who Philip eventually sleeps with. How do all these women (laughs) find him not attractive? Anyway, also Lily's daughter Megan and their father in an apartment complex. He bashes the dad's head in when he reanimates as a walker after dying from stage four lung cancer, which is really sad. And then they hit the road. Sure enough, they have to ditch the car and they're forced into the woods by a horde of walkers. Out of nowhere, Martinez re-enters the picture. Okay, Diana, let's talk about the theme of patience. Where did you see it in these two episodes? I saw it with Herschel, for sure. Uh, He has such patience. He is tending to all the sick with the help of sick Glenn and sick Sasha. They are helping the best that they can, but as the episode moves along, their health deteriorates and Herschel is left alone tending to everyone. He remains pretty calm and composed with no complaints during most of the episode. Dr. S is so sick and doesn't want Herschel to waste his time on him. He says not everyone is meant to make it, but Herschel isn't so quick to give up. He wants to help Dr. S. Herschel says, let me take a look at you. And Dr. S says, yeah, look at me. And you see that he's bleeding from his eyes. This is why Dr. S tells Herschel to make sure and close all the cell doors. 
Another patient dies and Herschel goes to stab him, but notices everyone watching him. And instead of doing it in front of everyone, he tells them to go back into their cells. He patiently takes the body to another place and has a really hard time stabbing the deceased patient, but covers his face and stabs him. Rick sees him and asks how he is doing. And Herschel talks about a quote, a sad soul can kill quicker than a germ. Herschel says, that's exactly why I didn't want them to see. I know they know, but didn't want them to see it. Rick says, they see you, that you keep going even though choices get taken away. Then Rick wonders if he was just in denial, not seeing how things really were. And Herschel says, no, you needed time and we were lucky. I still think this is a plan. There is a reason. Rick says, do you think this is a test? And Herschel replies, life is always a test. I really think that Herschel's faith is what gives him patience. When you feel there's a purpose, you are more tolerant because of what you are going through will serve a greater good. You can appreciate what you're going through, even if it isn't easy because you're working toward a goal or a payoff, as we do with schools and jobs and relationships and children. And as they say, patience is a virtue. That's a really good point, Diana, and that kind of ties into my point. Something that really struck me was the patience of the kids towards their parents. With Maggie and Herschel, Maggie's asking for Glenn, but Herschel tells Maggie that Glenn was helping but got tired, and Herschel is basically keeping his mind on helping people. So he tells Maggie no when she wants to come in and help them, and she replies, Daddy, you look so tired. And Herschel tells her to just hold it together a little longer. And Diana was so right in our last episode, it would be so hard for a daughter to see her dad so enervated and beat up and in danger. I know we talk about how difficult it is for parents and I recognize that, but I deeply relate to this as a daughter. And I feel like I'm a daughter to one of the most mentally and physically strongest, most helpful, most generous, funniest dads ever. So it would be so incredibly gut-wrenching and agonizing to see my dad in a similar state to Herschel. Herschel does a few things in his conversation with Maggie, though. He diverts her concern to the fact that Glenn is helping these people. He asserts his protective nature by not granting her access inside. And he gives her messaging of hope and a request to just hold on. Maggie's patience is tested because we rarely see our parents in distress. I feel like they are the ones who typically hold it together for us, no matter how old we grow. We look up to them, and it's not in a selfish way that we're sad to see them struggle. It's not because we need them only to help us. It's because we feel indebted to them, and not in a scornful way. It's not that they make us feel like we owe them. It's because if we're lucky enough to know unconditional love, it hurts us when we can't do something to fix our parents' problems in return. And this was such a good reminder to me, and hopefully to everyone, that our parents are human too, just like us. They may be superheroes in our minds, but we still need to step up and be there for them too, if we're lucky enough to still have them around. Those are really good points, Brittany, and I think it kind of goes into my next point with Herschel again, having so much patience. <laughs> um, when he is helping Glenn, who is gasping for breath, 
Herschel tells them to hold on and remembers they still have an incubator, but it's on the walker. So Herschel goes to retrieve it, but has to wrestle with the walker <laughs> to get it off of him. Maggie finally gets into the facility and sees the walker attacking Herschel and raises her weapon. Herschel says, don't shoot the incubator. We need it for Glenn. She takes a steady aim and shoots the walker. She runs to Glenn and yells, he's turning blue. Herschel gets to Glenn and incubates him. He says, come on, son. You know how this works. Stay with us. Stay with us. His voice is so calming and soothing. Maggie tells Glenn, you're going to be okay. You're going to be okay. Herschel says to Maggie, I didn't want you in here. She says, I know, but I had to, <laughs> just like you. He caresses her face. And I'm like, oh, my God, I love this <laughs> moment. He's such a good daddy. Totally. And I want to ask, what is it with Lizzie putting her foot in the gooey, bloody, fluid mess on the ground? She's a psycho. And I think she just has this weird obsession with the walkers and death and everything that surrounds it. It almost looked like she was sad that Glenn didn't die and become a walker. I don't know. But I remember every time I've seen it, I'm like, why is she doing that? Ugh. With her foot in it. She needs <laughs> I therapy. I can't figure it out. Yeah, she needs She needs to sit something. down with Herschel and read the Bible. <laughs> I don't know. I think she needs more than that. I don't know. Okay, so lastly, I just want to talk about Carl really quickly. He wants to come out soon from the quarantine section, and Rick says no. So Carl is impatient, saying, Dad, you can't keep me from it, from what always happens. And Rick responds, saying, maybe, but I think it's my job to try, which is true. That's his job as a dad, so you can't fight that. But I love that Rick can trust that Carl will be patient with him, and that Carl is patient in return for his dad. He does wait until Rick says it's okay and that he needs Carl's help, and I know this sounds so obvious, but I just want to say it anyway. We are definitely more patient, trusting, and open when it comes to those we love. Okay, Diana, we are on to other things that we noticed. So what were some things you noticed? Well, I noticed the song, which I love, and <laughs> it's still playing in my head. Um, it's called Oats in the Water by Ben Howard. And something about it is so moving. And it plays twice in this episode, and it is very effective. First, it plays during a walker transformation, and then when the meds are finally administered and Maggie tells her dad, Herschel, to go and rest, he walks into Dr. S's cell and sits down and reads the Bible, and then he begins to cry, all while this song is playing in the background, and it is so moving. I just felt so sad for Herschel during that part. You're right, Diana. Music really does elevate moments sometimes, and it's super powerful. So mm -hmm. I appreciate you bringing that up. But I can we just talk about how Rick says Carl. <laughs> <laughs> he said it so much during that episode because he was calling out for him, uh -huh. right? And I couldn't help but laugh. Like, I love Rick Grimes, and I love Andrew Lincoln, but it's just so funny to me. Carl? Carl. Carl. <laughs> Carl. <laughs> it just really brings me a lot of joy. So I appreciate how like the little things can just brighten our day or entertain us so easily. 
Maybe it's just me. I've been told that I'm a very easy audience since I laugh at almost anything, but whatever. That's great you can laugh at anything. But yeah, that is funny. Like when he went to go look, call for him in the mm-hmm. prison and he kept going, he said it like Carl. eight times. Carl. Carl. <laughs> Carl. Carl. Yes, he does it. He like whispers, he yells it, he I says know. regularly. <laughs> I know. So funny. I love it. I love it too. <laughs> Okay, so something else I noticed was that I was initially bored with live bait episode. And a side note, I am usually bored when an episode doesn't include Rick, Daryl, or Carol. Anyway, I found myself slightly intrigued by Governor slash Philip slash Brian. He has three names too, by the way. Uh, Even though he looked homeless with his beard and wandering nowhereness, I thought he looked better with it. <laughs> Maybe the beard made him more humane. He was kinder and helped Lily and her dad David. Then he shaved it and I saw a shift. He had a purpose now to take care of this family and especially this little girl, Megan. When he and Megan fell into that pit with the walkers, there were at least three walkers in that pit and he tore them apart with his bare hands it all came back on how vicious he can be and is yep it was the beard he needs to grow it back again (laughs) okay yeah so going off that i want to talk about that scene where philip saves megan his interactions with her during that whole episode made me really sad because we know that he's still grieving penny and little girls must really break his heart I know he was going through a psychotic episode before and had delusions about what Walker Penny was, but I was so moved, yet filled with pity and sadness when Megan ran into his arms. And Philip says, I won't ever let anything happen to you. I promise you. And it was so powerful because I assume he had said those same words to Penny promising to protect her as most daddies promise their little girls. I imagine these feelings of guilt and anger are almost debilitating him. That's why his beard has grown out. (laughs) (laughs) And he seems taciturn and despondent, right? Like he's blaming himself for his daughter's untimely fate. And I don't think he's culpable of that specific thing, but I was satisfied seeing him look a little more pensive and regretful. It showed me more of his human side, which I appreciate because we need dynamic, three-dimensional, layered characters. So that's what I noticed. Okay, Diana, it is time for why we love Rick. Why do you love Rick? I love Rick because he calls upon his son for help and is so impressed. Carl wants to help so bad, but Rick tells him to stay in quarantine. But when Rick loses Maggie's help in reinforcing the fence, he needs Carl's help. Together, they put posts to hold the fence, and as they work, Rick admires Carl's work. Unfortunately, the walkers push through, and Rick and Carl make a run for the door. I love that Rick body slams these walkers out of the way to get them away (laughs) from Carl. They make it safely through the door, but the walkers are coming, and after Rick's quick lesson on assault rifles, they defend the prison against 
hordes of walkers. At one point, a walker is close to Rick and Carl shoots it. And Rick looks at him totally impressed that he calmly took care of business. It was a nice father-son moment. Okay, Brittany, why do you love Rick? I love what Rick says to Maggie after she tells him that she doesn't think she could have done it, banishing Carol. He tells her, you could have, Maggie. You've done harder things. Don't doubt yourself. We don't get to anymore. And I think people are constantly underestimating themselves, but in reality are capable of anything. It reminds me of the Marianne Williamson quote from her book, A Return to Love, Reflections on the Principles of a Course in Miracles. And she talks about how we all have power and light within us. She says, it's in everyone. It's not just a select few. It's not esoteric knowledge. When we let our light shine, we are then inspiring others to do the same. And as leader of the group, when Rick makes these burdensome decisions and displays his sound leadership skills, it then shows others that they too are capable of possessing the qualities that they admire of Rick's. I like that he reminds Maggie that she has done harder things and she will continue to do so in this world, not only because the world forces her to, but because she can be a leader too. Rick is both influential and humbling, reminding Maggie that anyone could do his job. When you're a true leader, you inspire and develop more leaders rather than expecting blind followers. That is such a good point. I like (laughs) it, Brittany. Very good. Okay, Diana, what are you currently watching? So I was off camping, so I didn't get to watch too many shows this week, but I did watch my usual, So You Think You Can Dance, World Dance, and Real Housewives of New York, and they were all fantastic. (laughs) I also just, uh, I hadn't seen the Anthony Bourdain unknown parts, but because of his passing, it made me want to watch one of them. So I watched season eight, episode three, Nashville. He hangs out with chef Josh Habiger and singer-songwriter Allison Mosshart, who is in an indie rock band and blues band. And I saw Jack White drumming in the background, which was totally cool and got my attention. And the food looked great. And I've never visited Nashville and always wanted to, so I just thought it was kind of nice just to see, like it says, unknown parts. So you kind of get to see things that you wouldn't normally see. So it was pretty good. Yeah, it's very immersive. Yeah. It's not your typical travel food show. Exactly. That's why I was like kind of surprised by it. I'm mm-hmm. like, and I love hearing the songs. Mm-hmm. They were singing and they also had a room where they were doing tattoos. And I think <laughs> Anthony got a tattoo and the girl got a tattoo. It was so funny. There was a tattoo area. I'm like, okay. <laughs> um, also, I did watch one episode, uh, one additional episode of Jerry Seinfeld's Comedians Riding in Cars, Drinking Coffee. And it was with Will Ferrell. And it was funny. And Will is just so subtle. And um, Jerry was laughing so hard throughout the whole thing. Um, it was great. And then I watched the Red Table Talk with Jada with her interview with Tiffany Haddish. And it was interesting to hear about her upbringing. She, it was not easy. Mm-hmm. And I love when people make it big, mm-hmm. you know, when they have such struggles. She said she knew she made it big because Jada asked her when <laughs> she was named in Beyonce's song. Oh. <laughs> she said, well, that was it. That was the moment. Oh, yeah. And um, the only movie I was able to watch was the Meyerowitz 
I'm not sure if I'm saying that correctly, Stories, New and Selected. It's a movie about a dysfunctional um, adult siblings living in the shadow of their aging, almost famous father. And it starred Adam Sandler, Ben Stiller, Dustin Hoffman, and Emma Thompson. It was really good acting. And Adam Sandler received a lot of praise for this role. Some people saying it was his best role. And it was written and directed by Noah Baumbach. It was pretty good. Okay, Brittany, what have you been watching? So, for TV shows, I watched Killing Eve. It's a TV show about an MI6 agent, Eve, Sandra Oh, who is (laughs) tracking down a trained assassin, Villanelle, um, which I found out is the name of a certain type of poem, which is very Mm. interesting. Don't know how that ties in. But... Both women become obsessed with each other, and it's a really strange relationship to watch unfold. But I do love Sandra Oh, and I think that this is definitely worth a watch. I'm also watching The Affair season four, and I don't really know why I watch this show, actually, because the entire premise makes me upset. I don't condone affairs, but it's good acting, and... Very intriguing story writing. Okay, so the third season actually wasn't my favorite, but the first two episodes of season four have been much better. So they show the dynamic of exes, co-parenting, and how the dad is trying to atone for his affair, and he's re-getting to know his four kids. And then there's the other couple who was involved in the affair, and they're also co-parenting their child, and they have new relationships. So I love the way that the stories are told from each person's perspective, which is always altered based on their Mm -hmm. memory and perspective on how something happened or what was said and how they said it. Even small details, like the clothes they were wearing, it all pulls me in. So it's, I think it's a pretty good show. And then for movies, I watched Hereditary. It's a horror film centering on a family, and it's starring Toni Collette, and it is Ari Oster's directorial debut, and it's it's being talked about as one of the contenders for the next Oscars, which is, I think it's great, because I thought it was a good movie. So, critics have acclaimed it, but moviegoers gave it a D-plus on cinema score, and I know why. It really bugs me that people only show distaste for a movie if they do not like or don't understand the ending. If you thought the content and form was interesting, how are you going to let the last 10 minutes be the deciding factor of this film? That's straight up disrespectful to me. So just be specific and say you didn't understand or like the ending. Don't dismiss the entire film. The ending can be left open for interpretation, I guess, but it really makes me roll my eyes that, quite frankly, people don't like anything that doesn't give them closure. I think that's phony. Life doesn't ever truly have endings, if you think about it, and our stories are continuous, and movies like this kind of give us that, or they just don't want to give you a specific, clear answer, and that's okay, too. Anyway, I thought it was impressive, and if you like scary movies, you should go watch it. Lastly, I watched Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. I think Bryce Dallas Howard, I'm pretty sure that's her name. 
Mm-hmm. I always free. I know. I I try to say her name too. I'm like, wait. I know she has like three fir- last names or three first names or three something. Like, is it out. Dallas Bryce? I know. Oh, I know. I know. Okay. Whatever. I think that, it is Bryce Dallas Howard. I think so. That sounds right. Okay. Good. So her. I think her and Chris Pratt have really great chemistry, and the film was really enjoyable. And after talking to one of our coworkers about it, we realized that there's huge similarities between this current trilogy and the most recent adaptation of Planet of the Apes, which I thought was very interesting so yeah i am going to watch it so i'll tell you my thoughts i want to watch for hereditary no for jurassic world for sure because i meant to watch it this weekend but uh, like i said we were camping and i thought Mm -hmm. i could fit it in and i didn't get to but Mm -hmm. i will so i'll let i'll let you know and what do you mean it has similarities planet of the apes because i watch i know all the planet of the apes like all the recent ones Yes. Well, I don't want to give the movie away. Oh, Just that's true. That's true. Okay, so let it. me watch it and then you yeah. tell me. You know me. I don't like spoilers, so just go watch that's it. That's so true. Okay. <laughs> okay, so we are at And the Award Goes To. So what was your favorite character, quote, or moment, Diana? I should pick someone else, but season four has Herschel written all over it. <laughs> I love Herschel as a father, as a friend, as a spiritual person. I love how he is with Maggie, how he is with Rick, and how he lives his life with faith. I admire his character. I love this quote at the end of this exchange. Tyree sees Herschel and asks about Glenn. He says he is breathing on his own. He is stable. Daryl says, he's a tough son of a bitch. And Herschel says, he is. Daryl says, you're a tough son of a bitch. And Herschel says, I am. (laughs) I love it. What is your favorite moment quote? So my favorite moment was when Lizzie was luring the Walker Henry towards her and calling it like a dog. She said, here, boy, here, boy. And I was cracking up. But then it felt satisfying when the walker fell on her and almost bit her. Yet she still believes they aren't that different from us. Okay, Lizzie, whatever, girl. It's your funeral. (laughs) Okay, that's our show. Thanks for tuning in. We are grateful you tuned in. And we hope something we said today resonated with you, gave you a chuckle, some happiness, some positivity, or inspiration. Please subscribe to our podcast and tell a friend. We would love more members of our TV club and rate and review the podcast on iTunes or Stitcher. We need your feedback. We'll be uploading new episodes every Tuesday and the next show will be on season four, episodes seven and eight. You can find our blog listed in our show notes. See you next time. Bye. Bye.